Stafford and Matthews, episode seven now. As always, Joe Stafford, Chris Matthews, former Seahawk and Raven. Chris, my man, what's going on? What's going on, man? How's it going over there? It's going pretty well, actually. Yeah, I know. We're having a pretty good week of school so far. And NFL Sunday was actually pretty, pretty interesting uh, on all ca- on counts right here. So getting right into it now. No lollygag, no nothing. We're going right into the no, first game here. No. The first game we're going to talk about right now is the Texans and the Titans. Final score, 42-36. And to be honest with you, it doesn't surprise me the final score. But what does surprise me is how close the Texans battled this elite team, the Titans. Even after kind of a big hiatus before their last football game, the Titans proved to me and to pretty much everyone else watching that they are an elite football team, a top five football team, and they can compete with anyone in the NFL. What are your impressions from the Texans-Titans game from week six? Absolutely. I feel the same way about the Titans. They're, they're, they're on a rampage right now, and they're being led by uh, Derrick King Henry. Um, he's, at, he, he's, he's ridiculous out there, man. I don't, I don't understand how this guy is this big, and he's moving as well as he is. Uh, the last person I remember who moved that good was uh, Brandon Jacobs out of uh, the Giants. But even then, he wasn't moving this good as Derrick Henry. So... Uh, Derrick Henry's just showing a lot. They're, they don't want to tackle him. Uh, you watch him, you know, especially on the on the on the five yard line. He's running wildcat. He's just bowling through big defensive tackles. It's like no, nobody wants to tackle him. And my my sister actually brought it up and was saying like they just don't want to be put on the meme. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that's going on right I now. That's nobody right wants too. To be put on the meme. And not even that. Think about now later towards the season in the cold weather when no oh, one yeah. wants to hit anybody. Yeah. And then Derrick Henry's basically walking to the end zone because no one wants to touch Absolutely. the guy on the way down. We used the analogy before. He's like a garbage truck going down a residential street at 50 miles an hour. And you can't Absolutely. stop it. You literally can't stop it. It's, it's really scary. And I like how you bring up Brandon Jacobs there. I think a similar guy as well, a former Titan himself, Eddie George. I mean, they're the same yeah. type of back here. But I would yeah. even give the nod to Derrick Henry. He's faster. And that's a scary, <laughs> scary thought for faster. any defense. I don't, care who, I don't care if you're a secondary member. I don't care if you're 400 pounds in the defensive line. I don't care if you're a linebacker. It doesn't matter because Derrick Henry will plow through anyone in the NFL, and he's proven to me uh, on Sunday here. But credit where credit's due, the Houston Texans, second game without their head coach Bill O'Brien here after, the, after he was fired, actually fought uh, tooth and nail to really try to solidify this game. They actually went to that overtime, I believe. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson, I mean, like, give, you know, credit where credit's due, 28 of 37, 335 yards and four scores. That is an elite-level stat line and something that we've been missing from Deshaun Watson through the first six weeks here. Obviously, it's been taking a lot more for teams to get you know kind of coordinated on their offensive attack, especially with Houston bringing in guys like David Johnson, Randall Cobb, and a plethora of other guys kind of just uh, – we've kind of talked about before as well, bringing in the, the band of misfit toys there and trying to create something in Houston. And while it's taking a little bit of time here, we're starting to see the benefits of that. 36 points on a normal day will win you the football game on a normal day, not playing a top five team in the NFL. But, you know, you got to give a shout out to Deshaun Watson here, a, a phenomenal effort by D-Wad and, and proving that that contract was well worthwhile for the signing for the Texans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if this was any other teams, let's say uh, Minnesota or somebody like that, they would definitely walk away with a win. Um, but, you know, like I said, Tennessee, they're, they're unstoppable right now. And it's, and it's why they're, they're, uh, their record reflects what they're, you know, what they're doing out there. Minnesota? Did it bring up Minnesota? Kirk hey. Cousins stinks. That's what I'm saying. If it oh, okay, okay, okay. Minnesota, I'm saying. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Maybe 36 nothing like, against Minnesota. They would have won that game. 
won the game. Easily. I'm about to say, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. Um, receiving wise for the Texans here, Will Fuller had six receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown. And Darren Fells also contributed with 85 yards and a score. Randall Cobb, our guy, Randall Cobb, Stafford and Matthews yes, guest, sir. number one, Uno, the number one guest for Stafford and Matthews, actually had a touchdown catch as well. And this is where we're going to start to get interesting here. The Texans are one and five. And I heard some rumors today on the rumor mill here. I got some sources plugged in here and there. Okay. Okay. And I, heard that Houston, and I heard that the Houston Texans are shopping every single wide receiver they have, or to clarify, not shopping, but have made all of them available. That means Will Fuller. That means Brandon Cooks. Again, mind you, he's been traded, I think, 12,000 times by this point in his career, even though he's only 27. Randall Cobb, Farrell Brown, ETC. What do you make of that move from Houston? And do you think it's a, a prudent move by the front office? I think it's a smart move. I think it's a smart move. I don't think that they'll be out there just giving up everybody. Um, I could see, I could see Will Fuller going somewhere else uh, just because he's been so, he's been so good, but you know what I'm saying? You have to get some more pieces to go along with, uh, with Sean Watson. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be looking for another running back as well, because, you know, although that uh, David Johnson is a really good player, he's just not, uh, meeting the expectations that they were expecting him to come in with. So, um, and at the same time, you got to think that that could just be them lighting a fire underneath uh, a couple of their players' butts and tell them to get, you know, get, get to going, which one person in particular, even though he had a good game last week and a semi game this week is uh, Brandon Cooks. Definitely. And, and I hate seeing Brandon Cooks being brought up in trade talks anyway, because I value the guy a lot. He played a great season, one season even, in New England. And he's been disrespected constantly by the NFL community at large. While he has some injury concerns, and they are valid concerns, he's still an elite wide receiver. I don't care how you slice and dice it. He is a bona fide receiver that can make a very good impact on your football team. So, surprises I just, I just me think that I just think that with, with Brandon Cooks, it's more of a – it takes him a while to get going. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And that's I agree something with you. that you can't have in the NFL. You have to be ready right then and there. So, definitely. You know, it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, it's a part of the game. Yeah, and, and I, honestly, to be honest with you, I wasn't really shocked by the fact they were shopping a lot of their guys, but I was shocked by one specific guy, and Will Fuller is that guy. They made it a point to make sure, by, my sources told me, that Will Fuller specifically was also available because you would never think that would be the case. Yes, injury concerns as well. They are a very injury-prone roster down in Houston when it comes to receiving. But to be very you know, blunt with you, he's been Deshaun Watson's favorite target for a couple of years now, and that includes DeAndre Hopkins being down there. Hop's the clear number one, no doubt. But when he's getting that number one corner help with some safety over the top, Wolf is wide open down the field. You saw yeah. that the past couple of years, he has a billion yards every season because he's always open on that number two corner here. That's so it, shock, it shocks me with the chemistry, especially the only really chemistry that Deshaun Watson has in that receiving room is with Will Fuller, and they're shopping him. So that, that kind of that just shocked me a little bit. I'm not surprised considering it's one and six, with, I mean, one and five with their record, but still a very interesting situation developing down in Houston in the Lone Star State. Yeah. Next game we want to talk about, and this makes me so happy. And it's not to do with the 49ers. It's to do with the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. 38-7 final score. Pittsburgh takes a W and remains undefeated. Cleveland moves to 4-2. and two. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here. Just like I said, the Bears were frauds. The Browns are absolute frauds as long as they have Baker Mayfield at the helm. Baker Mayfield sucks at football. I've said it for the past three, four weeks. He's just not good at his job. You get drafted number one overall after a Heisman campaign, and you come into this room, rookie year, replaces Tyrod Taylor, and balls out. You think the Cleveland Browns finally have their franchise guy. 
Last year, he struggles for the first season with, with o, uh, Beckham Jr. and company. And you think, you know what? It's an adjustment period. It's a sophomore slump. We'll see a big leap from here in year three, especially with the signing of Austin Hooper. And now you have them at 4-2, which is a good record. But it has nothing to do with their star quarterback. Nothing. It's yeah. all been the running. It's been Nick Chubb till he got injured. Then it was Kareem yeah. Hunt. You yeah. have probably the most talented core around a quarterback in the league with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Austin Hooper, that, big, that great running back stable we just mentioned. And he's doing nothing with it. Yes, Cleveland's a phenomenal team with a phenomenal defense. Look at the stats here for Baker Mayfield, though. He only threw the ball 18 times. What does that say to you if you're just a regular fan watching at home? What does it say to you about a quarterback who's supposed to be a bona fide star only throwing 18 passes in a game, a divisional game that really matters for playoff seeding? It says to me they have no faith in their guy. And you know what? <laughs> and you know what? I'm absolutely right. Look at these stats. 10 of 18, 119 yards, one touchdown and two picks, one of which was a pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick. What the hell is Baker Mayfield doing? I, w- I wish I could give you the answer, but I absolutely don't know. I already came in with a little bit of um, pity, sympathy for him because he was already – he was coming off of an injury, so I knew that it wasn't going to be as up to par as we would think it would be. But then after he threw the first pick, which was the pick six, I was off of it. I, I was like, yeah, every emotion has to go out the window. I have to critique this guy by the by the way he plays because you stepped out there and you wanted to prove to everybody that you were tough and that you could play in this game. And you throw the pick six, then you turn around, you throw another pick, and I'm like, are you looking at the defense? Like, I'm looking at the team. The team, he's definitely lost his offense for sure because I'm looking at Odell, I'm looking at Jarvis Landry, you know, your notable players out there. And every time that there is a play that doesn't – work or is just a, a, a crazy play to be honest with you that goes along with the coach as well these guys are just walking off the field they're not showing any emotion you know it doesn't even look like these guys are even having fun out there to be honest with you and that's something that um should be pretty evident not only in our face but in the front office face as well because they have they're the ones that's cutting the checks and, and calling the plays and doing all these things so they have to see that, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure they're gonna make, uh, they're gonna make some changes soon. Uh, if not, if not, then you know they'll be the bad news bears again. I mean, the brand, the bad news Browns again for another year. Most definitely. And one thing you brought up here that the receiving core around him has showed no emotion. Well, there was one guy who showed a little bit of emotion, and it was Odell Beckham Jr. He threw a fit on the sideline. He threw his cleats <laughs> off. He threw his gloves off. He threw his helmet off. Started screaming, yelling. I'm surprised he didn't take down a punting net like he did in New York again. Because this is, this is a worse situation. Eli Manning, who was 38 at the time, or 30, whatever the hell he was, is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield is right now. That's embarrassing. That's literally yeah. legitimately embarrassing. Absolutely. I think, I, think, I think this is Odell's way of saying he wants out of there. Once again, exactly, uh, and now you, you come to the and, weekend and this time. And honestly, honestly, this is not his fault this time. I wouldn't even blame this on Odell because he's trying to do everything in his power to, you know, to, you know, to stay within the team and do the things that they want him to do. And they, it's just not working out for him. And he, you know, he, he thinks pretty high of himself, which I think a lot of other people as well do as uh, do too. But um, if you're not producing, and then I mean, I, I mean, 
the way he goes about it, I don't, I don't agree with, but I can see what is, what, where he's coming from. And definitely bring up, you know, trade me kind of the, the mentality you get from that yes. message, right? The deadline's only a couple weeks away. Week eight, yes. the deadline. So let's keep an eye out for that, uh, especially coming up towards the deadline here, because that's a distinct possibility for Odell Beckham Jr. I want to ask one more question before we move on here, because obviously we don't talk about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was dominant in every way, shape, and form. We don't even have to yeah, talk yeah, about how, how dominant they were. But one last question about Baker Mayfield. In your opinion, is it officially time for the Browns to move on from their number one overall draft choice? I mean, if it was up to me, I would have said it was been, it been time. It was, it's been time. That's what I would have said. And we would have tried to make some moves to get a couple, you know, get somebody in there and, uh, you know, start new again. But mm-hmm. yes, uh, just to answer your question, yes, it's, it's time. It's been time. That's a quote. That's a quote right there. It's been time. I love that. Anyway, going to the next game here. A surprisingly close game, I think, for everyone here. The Ravens and the Eagles, 30-28 final score. Baltimore just squeaks by the, to be quite honest with you, pitiful Philadelphia Eagles team right now. And honestly, for a long, long time during this game, I really thought Philadelphia was going to pull this game out. Granted, Lamar Jackson played decently. He had over 100 yards on the ground and 100 yards through the air. But the Eagles gave him a run for their money that really no one was really expecting from him. Carson Wentz was 21 of 40 for 213 yards and a couple scores here. He also had 50 yards on the ground and another score. So three total touchdowns from the seemingly regressing quarterback. Um, what are your impressions of the Eagles making this a game with the Ravens? Uh, they're, they're a scrappy team. They're from Philly. You know, Philly is known for fighters. And that's what that's what they uh, that's that's their whole mantra over there is that's what they live by. But I honestly I didn't think that they were going to win that game or even come close to winning that game. I just know that the the type of uh, coaches they have over there at Baltimore and their bend but don't break uh, type of uh, I, uh, mindset. I knew that that wasn't going to happen. So uh, you know they had a good they had a good run. Uh, Sanders is doing great out there, running the ball. You know, even though he fumbled, and they end up picking it up and scoring anyway. Uh, you need to watch out for that, Sanders. Um, but you know, that's near. That's neither here nor there. But you know, it's it's a terrible it's a terrible division that these guys are in, and uh, it's and they're still trying to squeak by with with the record that they have. And not to mention, yeah, like you said, they're still technically in contention for a playoff spot Absolutely. at 1-4-1. One, what the hell is going on in the Absolutely. NFC? I'm going to bring it right now. The NFC least. The yeah. worst division in quite possibly NFL history. Absolutely. Is happening right before our eyes, and it's really, really shocking to me. But one thing before we move on here, Philadelphia allowed six sacks for the third time this year. Like, I'm not going to defend Carson Wentz too much in this argument because he has played poorly. But I will say, in his defense, you can't play quarterback on your ass. That's what he's been – he's had to deal with that for the past three, four weeks. That should not be happening to any quarterback. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what your status is. Protect your quarterback at all costs. That should be the main priority for this front office moving forward. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that um, it's going to be – a lineman-driven uh, 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 draft class this year for a lot of teams because it's not just it's not just uh, Philly. So we'll see. Definitely. Next game here. Speaking of the NFC least, probably the two worst teams of football outside the Jets, the Washington Football Team and the New York Giants. The New York Giants, in true Giants form, squeak out their first W of the NFL season, twenty to nineteen. 
To be honest with you, Chris, watching this game was pretty painful. A lot of mistakes on both sides. A boring football game, to be honest, to watch. was not really exciting. And, and to be quite frank here, Daniel Jones, who I've been a very big defender of, showed me really nothing in this game. I think the run game really carried him. I think Devontae Freeman had 61 yards in the day. Kind of kept that offense moving forward. But speaking of which, Daniel Jones, granted he had a kind of an average day passing. Had a great game running, which you don't really see a lot from him. Seven attempts for 74 yards. 10.6 yards of carry. Not bad for the former Duke quarterback here. And looking on the other side of the football here for Washington, Kyle Allen actually had a pretty decent day for his standards. 31 of 42 for 280 yards, a couple scores, and an interception that ended up costing the football game. But yeah. what your thoughts in this game for the Giants and the Washington football team? Seattle's uh, it was boring. Um, <laughs> like yep. you said, it was boring. Um, just, just two, just two bright spots that I think are uh, really diamonds in the roughs is uh, Darius Slayton, who is you know we end up hurting his foot, uh, which is unfortunate. But um, him and McLaren, those two guys were the two guys that I really was paying attention to more, more so than anybody else uh, throughout that game. Uh, you know, they're still, they're, they're out there making do with, you know, with whatever they have. And, you know, Daniel Jones is a guy who I was actually high on. I thought that, I was you know, having him and, uh, and, 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 and that in another year underneath his belt would have been, you know, he would have took a lot of leaps and bounds, like as say, uh, Josh Allen, you know, that's where I thought he would have been at, but He's just not showing it for me, and he's, you know, he's moving lower and lower down on myself um, of players to watch now, and it's just sad. But you know, he did break off a nice little run. Yeah, uh, he faked out the he faked <laughs> out the whole the whole TV, and I'm sitting up here looking down like, okay, who's what's what's going on? Who's down there? You know, and next thing you know, he's running down the field. So he has some wheels on him, but you know, you can't win. You're not gonna be able to win all the time with just your feet. It's a Tom Brady wet dream. I've been saying that for a couple weeks now. Tom Brady wet dream. Love that, though. And, and I love how you brought up Terry McLaurin here because the, 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 the primary nickname the NFL community has given him is Scary Terry. We've heard that yeah. so many times before. We've heard it with Terry Rozier in the Boston Celtics just a couple of years ago. I'm doing a new one. Put it in reverse, Terry, because he just gets yards after yards after yards, <laughs> racks that ball up, and really moves this offense forward, granted how pitiful they are, but still a very exciting young player to watch. And yeah. granted how much 2020 is given from us, or taken from us, rather, they're giving us something back here. The NFL at large right now is full of exciting receiver potential. And I Absolutely. love seeing that from the one of the most exciting skill positions in football. It's just fun to watch. We have a lot of these young guys pretty much taking over the football game. It's just really, really exciting and really, really fun, especially for a casual fan. Not even for a, a fan like me or you. A fan mm -hmm. that doesn't really watch the game all. Just saying, oh, wow, this kid's really good. He's only 23, 24. Wow, they have a yeah. bright future ahead of us. The NFL's yeah. in a great spot with that specifically, I think, in my opinion here. Going to the Absolutely. next game here. The Falcons and the Vikings. 40 to 23 final score. The Falcons edge out the Vikings here. And I, I was smiling ear to ear because I was talking so much shit in my friend's ear. I talked to you about before about Spencer, the Kirk Cousins defender. And I had a field day with him. He got pissed. He blocked me on, on my phone for a minute. We're like best friends. I've known, I've known him since like fifth grade. He blocked me on my phone. I was, I was harassing him with so many gifts and so many just memes about Kirk Cousins. Actually, to be honest with you, the finish today, Kirk Cousins actually didn't have a bad stat line. He was 24 of 36 for 343 yards, three scores, and three picks. But to give some more clarity here, all three picks came in the first half, and all three touchdown passes came in the second half when they were already behind. And I, and I will give Kirk credit. One, I will give Kirk Cousins credit for one thing: he's really good when nothing matters. 
Absolutely. He's really good when there's nothing on the line. (laughs) It's it's so funny to me. As soon as the spotlight's off his team, he's like, oh, I can actually play football now. It's like, are you kidding me, dude? Literally, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. He's like stuck in his shell for the first half of the game. Um, but an exciting game for the Falcons, especially from if you're from Atlanta here, a spark of life for your team. Even though you're one and five here, it's still nice to see your team win every once in a while. Matt Ryan had a dominant game, and I will say dominant. 30 of 40, 371 yards and four scores. And you speak about dominance here. The king is back. Julio Jones, eight receptions for 137 yards and two scores. He sunned about eight Vikings on different plays during this during this football game here. He showed to me that this was kind of a, a call out to all his critics saying, you're going to trade me? No, you're not. That was a big dog performance from Julio Jones and showed to me at the very least that he is still a competent, if not elite wide receiver still. Absolutely. Julio Jones is probably... Well, actually, he is the best wide receiver in the game right now. I was thinking, I'm thinking of last year when when uh, B, uh, when uh, AB was in the game, but uh, right now, yeah, he's the best. He's the best wide receiver in the game. Still, do I feel like they're still be able to trade him or get him out of there? Yes, because it was only one game, you know. But if he puts together a couple more games, then I can for sure see him sit, sit sitting there and uh, hanging on to that team. Classic Chris, bringing me back to earth there. I always exaggerate, bring me back to earth. I love that part about you. Um, but it's funny you mentioned that because we'll have a kind of a trade deadline segment towards the end of this episode here. It'll be interesting to see your thoughts on Julio Jones potentially going to a couple of different teams I have in mind. But overall, a great day for Atlanta if you're a Falcons fan here. Matt Ryan showed you that he might not be done after all. I'm not sold yet. I'm still, cons- I'm still you know, from my perspective, Matt Ryan's last year in Atlanta is this year. Julio Jones is most likely out the door as well, along with Dan Quinn, who was came a couple weeks ago. So, Keep your you know, keep your optimism up if you're a Falcons fan, but if you're the rest of the NFL, don't worry about these guys. <laughs> Next game here was oh, this is gonna hurt me, Chris. <sighs> all right, the Broncos and the Patriots final score. Yes, eight, sir. Eight, all right, we need to get out of this toxic relationship, Chris, because every time one of our teams <laughs> does bad, we like celebrate like it's some unholy thing. Uh, yeah. But eighteen to twelve. All right, all right, all right. 18-12 final score here. The Denver Broncos move to 2-3, and three and the, the New England Patriots fall to 2-3 and three here. And I will start off right by that by saying, I'm not going to defend anyone here. This was an all-around terrible performance on every facet of the football field, including coaching. Bill Belichick did it. Okay. You want me to say it again? I'll say it again. Every facet of this football game was terrible for the Patriots. Offensively, defensively, special teams-wise, and coaching. That's what I want to emphasize here. Coaching. Bill Belichick did not do a good job on Sunday. He didn't. He was a coaching. Coach. Coaching. It was not there. It was not there. I'm telling you right now. If you look at some of the, the diagrams, especially with Josh McDaniels, I want to put some of the blame on Josh McDaniels as well. Look at the game plan. Look at look at offensively, especially. It's just looking underneath. It's a screen of James White. It's an HP draw. It's something so predictable that the Broncos literally dared Cam Newton to throw the ball downfield. They stacked the box with eight, nine people even sometimes and yeah. forced him to throw the ball, and it worked. And that scares me as a Patriots fan. The one thing I will give the Patriots right now, they didn't practice in two weeks, so there's going to be some rust. Cam Newton's coming off a COVID, oh, okay. a COVID-19 lift where he didn't even get to lift. He didn't get to do anything. Stephon Gilmore in the same boat. And oh. the, But the worst part about this for me, Chris, the worst part about this for me is that the Broncos gave us every opportunity to win the football game. Drew yeah, Lock, I, forgot, I forgot that these guys are professionals. I it's, forgot it, all about 
<laughs> it's literally oh, unbelievable. It's like Pop Warner football. Vic Fangio, who actually coached a decent game, mind you, defensively against New England and Cam Newton here, but decides to throw the ball consecutively on uh, on 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 two different drives here and throws the ball downfield. And gets mm-hmm. picked off two consecutive times. The Patriots mm-hmm. could have won this game easily if they actually had any competent offensive weapons for Cam Newton to throw to. My rant's over. I will talk to you about it a little bit after this. But Chris, what were your impressions of the Patriots losing? I know what you're going to say, but I need to hear you say it anyway. <laughs> I mean, two weeks off. The Patriots? Really? I don't believe it. I don't believe that the Patriots just were sitting out there just chilling and lollygagging when you got Hall of Famers walking all through, all up and down through that uh, that that team. Um, the only person I can see that would that could potentially have a little rust on him is Cam Newton because he wasn't able to really throw to his players. Now, do I think he was just sitting at home not throwing at all? No, I don't believe that. But if he was, then that it really showed. But overall, you know, you had your offensive your offensive line wasn't giving him no time to go out yep. there and throw the ball, sit in the pocket. He's either he's either getting sacked or he's trying to run for his life, at which he did a good job with running the ball. Um, which was surprising to me, to be honest with you. I thought he was gonna be more of a uh, laid back slide type of a quarterback now, but he was putting his shoulder down on people's giving people stiff arms and stuff like that. But yeah, overall, we I understand you're two weeks off. You're not you're not all fine tuned and stuff like that. But your defense showed that <laughs> there's still an elite defense out there, yep. which that's not going to change. But the offense, like you're not hitting it. You're not hitting your players. You're <laughs> the only person that was doing good out there. Honestly, was James White. Mm-hmm. And you know he's he's coming off of a limited play as well. So it's to me it's it's a little it's a little it's a little bit of uh, uh, excuses I'm hearing coming out of your mouth right now because these guys are still professionals. You still got to go out there and work out. Like you're not you you can't tell me that they're not out there at home or going to some private gym to go work out and still stay in shape. So I don't want to hear none of that, Joe. Chris, to be, to be honest with you and to be fair to your argument, yes. I didn't lead in by saying I don't want to make excuses. Then I made about 20 excuses. So I, I, will, I, will, I will kind of hit myself on the back for that one. Yeah. But you mentioned the defense. They played phenomenally here. Only held the Denver offense to 18 points, all field goals. The one area of concern that, that really got to me on Sunday was Philip Lindsay. 23 carries, 101 yards, 4.4 yards a carry. He slashed and burned us all day. And it shocked me that Vic Fangio didn't go back to him in the fourth quarter. Why are you passing the ball? Yeah, they won the game, so no harm, no foul, I guess. But, dude, you're a professional head coach. I'm 20 years old. I could do the same thing. You're doing better. Like, it's like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Um, But definitely – Bust pipes. Exactly, exactly. And I want to go back to the Patriots before we move – Exactly. But before we move on here, I want to go back to the Patriots here. You mentioned the offensive attack here. It was horrible. It was horrendous. And the reason why is because predictability, first of all, it was a screen. It was an HB draw. It was an underneath pass. That's all they did all day. That's, that's the entirety of the offensive game plan. And that stinks. Josh McDaniels, you were a bad coach this, uh, this game here. But I will say, in terms of the trade deadline coming up, we already mentioned that before, the New England offense needs a desperate insurgence of, uh, of something. I don't know. what. To be honest with you, they need a downfield threat. 
Whether or not it's something like John Ross, who was mentioned, who requested the trade just a couple of days ago. Is it Julio Jones becoming available? Or is it even a guy like Adam Thielen, who the Vikings are planning to blow it up, I've, I've been hearing so far. So I don't know what the situation or the solution really could be. But for the one thing I do know, they need a guy to stretch the field so the underneath is actually open for them to throw to. Because as of right yeah. now, the Broncos just gave you the blueprint how to beat the Patriots. They put eight men in the box, forced Cam to throw it intermediate to deep, and we put up 12 points total. That yeah. shows you the weakness of the Patriots. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on Bab Coattail right now. I'm gonna go with Odell Beckham uh, okay. potentially going there. Uh, that that would seem uh, more of a, a ideal pickup for them, uh, just because he's uh, he's a little bit younger than a lot of the other uh, uh, receivers besides Josh Allen. I mean, besides uh, John Ross. Uh, John Ross. Um, I just don't think that John Ross would John Ross would be a good fit there, just just off of his skill play and. Um, this type of his kind of work ethic. Uh, I don't, right. I don't see that working there. But so know, I, who knows? Who so knows? I, br- I bring up John Ross specifically because it won't cost you a lot. It'll cost you a fifth round draft pick, if that. You know what I mean? With Julio Jones, it costs you a second, if not more. Adam Thielen, the same thing. And if it's Odell Beckham Jr., it's a first or bust, if not more than a first. So when I come to Bill Belichick, being a Patriots guy and being a Patriots guy since I was since I was a kid, Bill Belichick hates overpaying for anything whether it's a contract, whether or not it's a trade, whether it's anything. So when you look at it for value's sake for Bill Belichick, a fifth-round pick makes a hell of a lot more sense, especially after giving up a second-round pick for Muhammad Sanu and having that work out horribly uh, last season and this season after having to cut him in, in training camp. So that, yeah, that's the way yeah, I look but, at it. But at the same time, you got to think about it. He's not really – he doesn't really go out looking for people in the draft like that in, in, high, in high drafts. So – you know, it's a it's a it's a tip or tat. It's a tip or tat there with that. Uh, you know, it's just all depends on you know what's going on through that mastermind of his. Definitely. And you want to know why he doesn't target these guys in the high dra- uh, draft rounds, Chris? Because he sucks at scouting receivers. That's why. <laughs> Every receiver we've ever drafted above round three is bad at football. Number one case is Aaron Dobson. Aaron, yeah. Do- Aaron Dobson in the second round, coming out of Marshall, was supposed to be an, a Randy Moss clone, essentially. He had the, the mixtape. He had all the intangibles. He had the speed, the size, everything. He lasted three seasons and caught, like, 15 balls. Like, we, can, we can't <laughs> draft receivers. It's imba- Can we get, like, a Steelers scout over here or something? Can we steal one of them away and just get one value guy? Please, God, I'm praying to you. I don't, I don't, they, 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 uh, they worry about they film and, and cheat and copy up everybody else. I don't know why they won't do the same thing with the Steelers, so. Chris, that was un that was unwarranted. <laughs> that was that was unwarranted. I'm not, you know, I'm mad. Chris, I'm mad at you now. I'm mad at you. Come you, on, man. I'm mad Come at you. On, now. Man. Anyway, here. The Colts and the Bengals next on the docket here was 31 to 27. And this was a tough day for me being a Joe Burrow stand here because I will say, and I'm not gonna defend him at all. Joe Burrow blew this game for the Bengals. 23 of 39, 313 yards, no touchdowns in a pick. They're up 21-0 in the first half. That's inexcusable. You score seven more, or you score six more points in the rest of the game, and you let Phillip Rivers and company come back. 31-27 final score. What the hell just happened? Joe Burrow, you need to start coming in clutch, my guy, because right now, Justin Herbert's ahead of you. And that's I never thought I'd be saying that this early in the year, but he is. Herbert has a game on you and has better stats, has better yards, better touchdowns, less interceptions. Has no, not a better record, but he should have a better record. Joe Mixon is a better running back than Austin Eckler, I think, right now. That's just opinion. That's, that can be debated up and down. That can be debated. I, and I will definitely debate 
It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. But I think that's just more of an opinion thing. But Joe Mixon is a very talented running back. He, <laughs> had, he had 18 carries for 54 yards. Kind of a tough day for him. I put a lot of this blame on the offensive line, but bar none. Do, do not get it twisted. Do not get it, you know, out of context. Joe Burrow is the reason why they lost this football game. And it pains me to say because I love Joe Burrow. But he needs to shape up because this Colts, this Colts offense had no business putting up 31 points on you and coming back after that 21 nothing deficit. Yeah, I mean, you can't just blame it on Joe. Uh, definitely, your defense has to play. I mean, has to play as well. Uh, Philip Rivers was definitely shredding that whole defense, that whole game with his passing, and that's something that you know we both actually. I'm pretty sure that we both were surprised on because we were both saying that he was washed up. Old um, man Rivers. But, yeah, you know, but he he came out. He came out and did what he did. And he did good until the fourth quarter where he threw, he threw a pick in the double coverage, which just didn't make sense to me. You had all day to sit there and look and scan the field and you just think to just throw it down to the field uh, between two guys when at the, the, past, the past five games, past six games, you haven't had anybody who could go up against somebody one-on-one. So you thinking that he was going to be able to go up against two-on-one, two on it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, through the pick, but, uh, you know, of course, Joe Burrows gives it back to him and throws another pick and seals the game for him. So, you know, he came away with one. But the guy that – the one guy that I'm I'm actually surprised on, because he's a pro bowler. You know, he's a pro bowler. He's a great player. He has speed. You know, he's everything that you want besides the size. It's T.Y. Hilton, some, somebody who I, who I thought would, uh, you know, come back with a, with a, with a vengeance. Uh, ready to shred teams up and go down the field and, you know, throw his, t- his T.Y. up. And after every touchdown, he's just not getting it done. He had one reception for 11 yards off of five targets. Five targets. You only get one reception for 11 yards, no touchdowns? Yeah. Not even that? Mike, that's, 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 that says a lot. That says that they, to me, it sounds like they done lost all trust uh in ty hilton and uh it's almost time for him it's a lot of time it's a, it's it's almost time for a lot of people around here i'm about to say yeah in indy's in trouble indy is in trouble yeah. here even though they're four and two even though they're four and two they're still a little i think they're a fraud team as well a lot of frauds Absolutely. this year a lot of frauds Absolutely. this year i don't like it especially in the nfc a lot of frauds uh yeah. but anyway here you bring up the philip rivers interception double coverage that's the most philip rivers thing of all time uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. That's the most Philip That's all. That's are you kidding me? He's go, he leaves the field. He feels like, oh god darn it, son of a nutcracker, Elliot. Like he can't swear. It's the funniest thing. If you haven't looked it up here, sound effects Philip Rivers will blow your mind. It's so so funny. But yeah, talking for Joe Burrow, he'll bounce back. Have no worries about that. If I had to give one advice, piece of advice to the Bengals here, draft offensive line and defense. That's all I got to say here. Anyway, that's, here, that's what you need to tell uh, the Jets. <laughs> You need to tell the <laughs> well, well, the thing is, Chris, we won't have to tell the Jets. We'll be the GM soon. Remember? Don't, don't have to worry about that. What? Why don't you tell me? I I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Weekly, weekly reminder that Stafford and Matthews will be coming the Jets president and CEO and GM. I put, I put my bid in like five and five other teams. That's why. You know, I got to switch my ass up. <laughs> we had to make a, a trip up there to East Rutherford just, just to get in front, of the, in front of ownership and be like, you know what? You can't really get worse, so might as well hire us. That, that's my pitch. Anyway, here, the Bears and the Panthers. And somehow the Bears keep winning. 23-16 is the final score here. They take the victory over the Carolina Panthers. The Christian McCaffrey-less Panthers. This is their first loss without their star running back, which is surprising to say the least. 
But what did you see from this game? I think Nick Foles, to be honest with you, was a very average quarterback at best. 23 of 39, 198 yards, a touchdown and a pick. And, and even Teddy Bridgewater, 16 of 29, 216 yards, no scores and two picks. Quarterback play was awful today. It was a battle of defenses and battle of the run game. What did you see from the Bears and the Panthers this week? Nothing, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't see anything at all. Uh, uh, you know, this is more of a defensive-minded game, and I'm an offensive guy. I got to see balls get thrown downfield, catching touchdowns, making spectacular plays while you're getting hit. You know, I want to see things like that, but we're not really seeing that at all. We're just seeing people hand the ball off and let's just manage the game. Let's hurry up and get this. Let's hurry up and get this game over with it and decide it at the end. Uh, you know, this is just two defensive-minded teams uh, that it was more so predicated on their side than on the offensive side. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was not looking hot, even though he was running the ball. I mean, he was making some moves out there when he was running the ball, which surprised me. It's like he's, you know, slowly but surely starting to come out of his shell with the run game. But, uh, yeah, man, we we had to see more from these guys, especially uh, especially from the Panthers. I felt like the Panthers were going to win this game, uh, not by a landslide, but they were going to have a good margin between them. Definitely. I, I think so as well. To be honest with you, Chris, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. It doesn't, doesn't interest me. The Bears are frauds. The Panthers, we're, we're moving on. We're moving. We don't, we don't bullshit on. at Stafford and Max. We're moving. On. <laughs> um, going up next year, then AFC East. Uh, you could call it a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. Twenty-four nothing final score. The Miami Dolphins kicked the New York Jets' ass up and down the field here. Ryan Fitzpatrick again was pretty good. Eighteen and twenty-seven for one hundred ninety-one yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. But the story of the day at the quarterback position. For the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa was recently named the starter after the bye week. Mm. Does that shock you? Because it shocks me. I think Fitzmagic's actually done a very, very good job for the first time past September in his career. He's actually done a very, very good job. The, the Dolphins are three and three and have no business being three and three. They're they're pl- they're firing all cylinders. Why make the change now? I think it doesn't really make sense for me. You could have two on the bench for an entire year. They give him a whole offseason, a normal offseason, as the starter to get a better rapport with the receivers instead of throwing them in the fire in the middle of the year when you're three and three. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Does it make sense to you? No, it doesn't, especially when your schedule is going to get a lot harder. Um, It just doesn't make sense right now, but, you know, leave it up to them. They'll figure out a way to tear up the whole team and, (laughs) <laughs> started over and rebuild again but, but I really want to talk about the Jets. The Jets is a team that I, 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 I Be careful Chris, Joe Flacco quarterback to that this week. Be careful, that's your boy I know, No, I know, I know that I know that, that's what I was going to say is like, I watched this guy like I watched my guy go out there and he's trying to manage the game and I kid you not, I counted Every time this guy was able to sit in the pocket and make a throw, even though it wasn't deep, the deep passes, which, you know, Joe Flacco, that's something that, you know, that's, that's in the past now, you know, it's short intermediate passes now. But it was literally, literally, Joe, seven times he was able to sit there and make a throw. Every other time he was on his back foot, throwing the ball off his back foot. Running away from it, running away with, uh, running, running from his life. You know, like these are the things that you have to like see when you're playing the game. Like this is your quarterback. You know what I'm saying? This is not your, this is not your, this is not your draft quarterback. You already know Sam Darnold. We, we know that, but he's trash. But you got, <laughs> you got Joe Flacco in the game right now. 
can't keep on having your guys out here running for their lives. Frank Gore's trying to make things happen. You can see that. You can see the. You can just see on his body language, he's ready to get done. He's ready. He's ready for this season to be over with. Yeah. And 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 your offensive line is not doing anything at all. And that's why I say this year is going to be a big year for offensive linemen. So all the offensive linemen that's out there in college right now, you need to be pushing some extra weight and doing some extra reps out there after practice because your time is going to come and they're going to need you. It's funny to bring up Frank Gore here. And you would never guess it. Oh, yeah, I guess you could guess it where I'm going with this year. But the reason Frank Gore retires won't be 40 years of age. It'll be because you play for the Jets for a year. That's why he's yeah. going to retire. He's like, I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. This is just this yeah, is horrible. Exactly. This is horrible. This is going to lead him right into the retirement. <laughs> uh, imagine, imagine playing for a team just retiring you. Like, like the fact that you play for a specific football team makes you retire. That's a horrible standard. That's like Cleveland yeah. Browns level horrendousness. Um, but I will kind of comment on that as well. Sam Darnold, you said, stinks at football. He's not really good. I was a big Sam Darnold defender up until very recently, up until this season. And once I saw this season, I was like, you know what? I'm done with Sam Darnold. Joe, Me too. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Yeah, exactly. And now Joe Flacco. I love FC quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. And, now, and obviously Joe Flacco, great career overall, but definitely towards the, towards the back end of his career, back nine, if you will. Yeah. And this, uh, this is no basis, no rumors, no nothing. We just imagine the New York Jets signed Colin Kaepernick and let him run wild on this team. Just imagine what would happen. Why not? You don't have nothing else to lose. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, that's, tr- that's true. else to lose. But the only reason I don't see it happening is because Woody Johnson is notoriously conservative. He was named by Donald Trump as the, as the ambassador to, I think, the UK or something like that. I'm not really politically in, in tune with that. So it, what Trump is talking no, no, about. No, what, what I'm saying is – <laughs> the fact that him, the fact that they're so close, makes me think that he wouldn't sign Cap in the first place. But still, a very fun scenario to think about what Kaepernick would do on this 0-6 New York Jets football team. Just to put it out there, put it in your head a little bit here. Uh, going <laughs> to the next football game here, and this was a real shocker. I think both me and you here. Sunday night football, mm-hmm. the or, or actually 4:15 maybe. I'm really sure. The Packers and the Buccaneers. Final score: 38 to 10. The Bucks basically steamrolled Aaron Rodgers. And it wasn't all his fault, but a majority of it was his fault. He threw a couple picks that were pretty bad picks. And the one thing that Aaron Rodgers could not control was the amount of sacks and hits he took back in that pocket. I mean, holy God. He was under fire the entire game. I don't know where his offensive line went. Maybe went for an early vacation. Maybe went to the bye week early. I have no idea where the hell they went. But they they went somewhere because he was playing without an offensive line, essentially. It was like Paul Crew in, uh, what's that movie? The Longest Yard. That's exactly yeah. what it was like. He just <laughs> took the ball back and got hit as soon as he took the ball back. It was embarrassing. And people, I, I, I hate this part about this, Chris, because 30 to 10 is the final score. And people think immediately, if they didn't watch the game, oh, Tom Brady's back. He dominated Aaron Rodgers. This is the goal. He's coming back. No, he didn't. Tom Brady had a good football game. But was he the reason it was 30 to 10? Absolutely not. The Buccaneers defense just routed this offense. That's, that's, that's plain and simple. That's the easiest way to put what happened on, on Sunday afternoon here. Brady, to his credit, had a, a decent game. 17 of 27 for 166 yards and a couple scores. Also, shout out to my guy, Rob Gronkowski, who led the Buccaneers in receiving for the first time all season. Five receptions for 78 yards and a score. The patented Tom Brady back shoulder throw to Rob Gronkowski with the spike. First time it happens in Buccaneers jersey. Made me shed a tear a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay, though. Um, what were your thoughts of the Buccaneers steamrolling the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers? 
Well, first off, I just want to say I'm glad that you uh, acknowledged that Tom Brady is not better than Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah. But overall, uh, yeah, I still I, I'm still putting in on Aaron Rodgers this game. He threw two back to back picks. One of yep. them was a pick six. Um, just it, it was just a bad it was a bad game all the way around. Um, offensive line wasn't doing nothing for him, and, and for that matter, the receivers wasn't doing anything else well. Uh, you know. Devontae Adams, he's out there. Uh, it was one specific play where they threw him a back shoulder fade, and Rodgers throws him a back shoulder fade, and he's he's fading away from the football. You know, granted, he's trying to get some room, but you're fading away from the football. You should know as a wide receiver that that red line and that and that and that uh, that out of bounds is only six is only six is only six yards apart. So you got to know that you don't have that much space to be uh, to be backing out that way. But I think that's just a combination of um, not being able to practice and uh, not being in sync with uh, Aaron Rodgers at the same time. Well, Aaron Rodgers is throwing it to 20 other people out there. Exactly. And Devontae had some time off as well. He was injured for a couple, yeah. of, a couple of games here. So maybe it takes a little bit more to get in tune with Aaron Rodgers. But I think overall, the Bucks defense, I don't. I think they did a better job of showing Aaron Rodgers' insecurities when it comes to chemistry. They're yeah. missing that kid Lazard desperately. They need yeah. some depth in this receiving room stat, and it's not happening quick enough. That's the reason why you saw this route happen uh, on Sunday afternoon in Tampa Bay here. So, But I will defend Aaron Rodgers in one aspect. Obviously, the offensive line was horrific. But one thing yeah. I want to talk about, too, the run game. The leading rusher at 34 yards, Jamal Williams. Yeah. That yeah. should not be happening. That should, like, at all, it shouldn't be happening. That, that's asinine to me. When was the last time a football game ended with a 34-yard leading rusher? That, that, that's crazy to me. That should not be happening, especially for a Packers offense that's been hitting on all cylinders lately. That doesn't make sense to me. Something, something that uh, – but it's something that oh, it has always hindered Green Bay every year, year in and I would year agree out. With that. Uh, they've, always, they've always had problems with their run game. Even when Lace, uh, Eddie Lacy was there. Feast uh, mode. He was a, he was a piece. He was a piece for them. But then there was at times where they would just lean away. They would just lean on the pass and, you know, expect Aaron Rodgers to make the great throw and, and all of that. So, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, some of it is on their fault. Uh, it's on the organization's fault, um, you know, just for putting a lot on, on Aaron Rodgers' plate, which rightfully so. I feel like he should have a lot on his plate because he is, uh, uh, in my eyes, the best quarterback in the NFL. Even even above Russ and Patrick Mahomes? I don't care. Aaron okay. Rodgers okay. is the best quarterback in the NFL. Personally. Me personally. Right. Yeah, you, you, your opinion I got close mine, second, I Close second, Patrick Mahomes. Close close third, Russell Wilson. Okay. You know what I'm saying? No, really, I don't even want to put that in order. Just just them three guys yeah. right there. It's not worth a debate anyway. It's not just, worth the time. Just put them in there. Just put yeah. them all in there and together. They'll, they'll work yourself out. But for me, for sure, on top, Aaron Rodgers. Fair enough. Uh, I'll let me bring up Eddie Lacy, though. Feast mode. He got so fat. Remember that? He just got, he gained like, he gained like 40 pounds in like an offseason. He shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm here for work. Are you an offensive lineman now? Like, what the hell happened? Um, that's a good but point, though. Nobody said nothing about Jerome Bettis when he was walking around looking like that. Because Jerome Bettis was always fat. I mean, not always fat, but he was, like, always a bigger guy. And Eddie Lacy yeah. comes in, who's always shredded. Think about his college days. I mean, he was shredded. One year. 
he was still he was still shredded, dude. He gained like fifty pounds in an offseason. We're not gonna talk about Eddie Lacy. Why are we even bringing him up? <laughs> uh, but anyway, here go to the next game here. The Rams in the 49ers. 24-16 is the final score here. The Niners, your Niners, with a statement victory in a much needed division win here. The Niners moved to three and three. The Rams are still four and two ahead of them in the schedule. But this goes a hell of a long way, especially towards the end of the season when it comes to seeding in that division. What did you see from your San Francisco 49ers? And what did you see more importantly from Jimmy Garoppolo? Greatness. Greatness. That's what I see from my team. Uh, okay, so honestly, we don't look we don't look as great as we uh, as we should right now. Granted, because we have a lot of injuries still, and we're just trying to make things happen. Um, I knew that this game was going to be a uh, was going to be a little bit of a dog fight just just because these both of these offenses they run similar plays. So you know they would see a lot of this going on during practice throughout the week pretty much throughout the year they would have keys on you know certain plays but you know of course my team figured it out uh made the made the uh, made the rams work hard and uh jared golf guys uh he missed <laughs> he missed cooper cup at least 20 times today <laughs> great cooper cup did drop a very, a very big, a uh, very big uh, drop in the end zone, which could have put them back in, uh, you know, in, in a chance to win the game. But uh, you know, I appreciate you, Coop. I thank you because I got my got my Niners <laughs> another win out there. And but, say, uh, yeah, say what, man, overall it was a pretty good game. Say with me, Chris. Jared Goff isn't good at anything. He's yeah, not. he's, he's not. not. And, and, and people want to talk about that and say like, oh, well, he's actually having a great year. But think about it logistically. Look at that. Look at him as a as a football player in general. Does he have a, a great arm? No. Can he throw the ball downfield elite? No. Does he have great presence in the pocket? No. Great mobility? No. Like like what sets him apart? He Nothing. Has, he just has great players around him. You know. No, he was I'm born. Talking to, about, I'm talking bad. I'm talking bad about Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup is still arguably one of uh, is is a top. I would say a top fifteen. Uh, yeah. wide receiver in the in the NFL. Then you have Robert Woods, who's uh, you know another LA native uh, of mine, and he's out there showing you why they gave him that extension this year. Um, he just has great players around him, and he's making and he's you know he's just he's just going along for the ride. He's starting to feel he's he's starting to feel like the Joker to me. You know, the master <laughs> of none, but good at everything. You know, that's yeah, I mean, like that's what I'm starting to look at at him. I'm pretty sure he was born to be a game manager. That's, that's that's all he was. But like, yeah. who the hell drafts a game manager number one overall? That's all I got. That's all I got to ask. Uh, but anyway, still a big big win for the San Francisco 49ers here. Going to Monday Night Football here. First of two games here. The Chiefs and the Bills. And this disappointed me a little bit because the weather was so inclement. They really couldn't be the. I dubbed this game the Battle of the Big Arms. I wanted to yeah. see an absolute throw fest. Fifty. I wanted to see fifty attempts from each quarterback exactly just going back and forth. I want that would have been awesome to see, but unfortunately, uh, some rain had some different ideas for them. It was mostly a run game for both teams here, and Josh Allen really didn't look all that impressive. MVP Allen is starting to lose some steam here towards the midway point of the season. Patrick Mahomes still looked phenomenal, but Clyde Edwards-Helaire was a star of the day here. Twenty-six carries, one hundred. 61 yards, 6.2 yards a carry. And he also added eight yards on four receptions in the past game here. What did you see from the Chiefs and the Bills? And what does it say about the Bills specifically when it comes to playoff aspirations in this competitive AFC? 
Um, it doesn't really say much to me, to be honest with you. You're going to get, you're going up against uh, uh, the uh, the Super Bowl Super Bowl champs. Um, you know, they're going to be out there. They're they're out there. It's pretty much the same team, honestly. Um, and you're just, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to go up against somebody like that. Uh, go up against a team like that, especially in those weather conditions. Even though, even though that Buffalo does play as you know, kind of severe weather issues as well up there in Buffalo. But you know, when you add that as well as the Super Bowl Super Bowl contending team and, and or a team that just won the Super Bowl. That's hard, you know. That's, that's really hard, and you know, I, 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 you know, I give my hat. I take my hat off to the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City, for being able to manage that game well, uh, especially with the, the the pick to seal the game, the one handed pick to seal the game at the end of the uh, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the game. That was amazing, right there. That was the most casual one handed pick I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, it was so he just like roped it in like this, just walked away with it. It's like, it's like what? It's like I mean, like, it looked cool as hell. Like to be honest, like it looked it looked fly as hell, but like still. Like, that was so but, casual. It just blew, it blew my mind. I was like, "What?" But but let me tell you. Let me tell you this. I can tell you right now. When they signed, when they was when they were signing uh, 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 Le'Veon Bell, I bet you Hilaire was in the back of his in, in the back of his head. He was like, "Oh, okay, all right. I got something to show y'all, man." And he actually came out and showed it. I could see that, but I, I really do think the Chiefs look at him more as a Brian Westbrook-esque back where he plays a little bit less downs, but impacts the game on both receiving and rushing. To be very frank with you, if Le'Veon Bell picks up the system quickly enough, he'll be the future back in this offense. I mean, I, I have no doubts about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, it looks like it could be a match made in heaven. We just have to make, you know, they just have to make sure that he's able to pick up on, uh, on that playbook, like you said. This is like the Golden State Chiefs at this point. They're getting everybody. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. It's wild. But it's we're wild. not going to say that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying at all that Le'Veon Bill is the KD of the Golden State Warriors. No, I know, I know. I'm it's a joke. It's a joke. Come on. That's a different. That's, no, that's I totally different. You know, I, I just forgot because, like, you're from the Bay Area. So the, the Warriors are your team, right? Your hometown team or no? no? They're not? Joe, who told you I was from the Bay Area? I'm messing with you, bro. I know you're from Long Beach. <laughs> Chill. Oh, oh my oh, God. Man. You make it, dude, you make it way too easy. You make it on too easy sometimes. Way too easy sometimes. Way too easy. Come it's on, just, man. Just, we, it's just, we out here. We win it. We win in championships on the basketball court. We about to win it on the baseball field. We win it on hockey. We working on an ice rink. Like, what else do you want from the? What else do you want from LA? We show you guys that we're the best, hands down, every year. You're just copying Boston. Oh, all right. Come on now, Joe. Anyway, here, next game on the talking. I love getting you pissed off. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's awesome. Anyway, here, the final game of the, of the week here was the Cardinals and the Cowboys in a stomping it was 38-10 to 10 in the Red Rifles debut for the Dallas Cowboys here. Before we get to the actual game, I want to talk about one thing because this was a significant rumor I heard as well today regarding Mike McCarthy. Yeah. A number of players, including upper echelon leaders in this locker room, have gone to ownership, including Jerry Jones and his son. Yeah, as I say, including Jerry Jones. Including Jerry. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, does he really handle the day-to-day stuff anymore? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but um, just to get back to the story here, Mike McCarthy has lost the locker room, apparently, which is very early in the year to do so. They're 2-4, and four, and granted, they're still in a good position to win, to win the division. Um, even though they have Andy Dalton at quarterback, they're still in a pretty good spot considering how bad the rest of the NFC East is in. 
But Mike McCarthy apparently lost the locker room. The preparation has not been there, according to sources. And players are frustrated that they're basically flying by the seat of their pants as they go into these football games. There's no preparation done regarding offense, defense, anything, you name it. They're really criticizing their head coach very early on in this tenure. And you look at a guy like Jason Garrett, who's probably smiling ear to ear right now because he, he like he probably is like, oh, it wasn't just me. But he was hired for, I think... No, it's just you, because he, 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 he brought it to the Giants. Exactly, it's just you. Um, but he was coached for, I think, what, eight-plus years, right? Around there, something like that, for the Dallas Cowboys here. And those kind of rumors started creeping around him towards maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago, then he got canned. What does it say about Mike McCarthy? His sixth game in the season, he's already lost the locker room. Yeah, uh... I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I heard the same thing uh, from a couple people as well. It's it's tough. It's tough. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know what else he could do. The only thing I was thinking about as the game was going on is like he should probably uh, have Dak come back in the locker room and just give like a pep a pep speech or something before practice uh, or something. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say that. Uh, what else he could really do, but I honestly just can't just blame it on Mike McCarthy because you guys are professionals. You guys still have to go out there and watch watch your film. You still have to go out there and give it your you know you know have uh, uh, craft craft yourselves. You know what I'm saying? And you have captains for reasons. You know if you, if, you, if your coach is not doing it, your captain is supposed to be there to tell you, hey, we need to get X, Y, and Z done, and we need to get this done before we leave up out of here, or or come meet me at my house or in some private right. location and let's get this done uh, just so we can be on the same page. You know, that's things that uh, people, I mean, teams like the Ravens did back in the day when uh, Ray Lewis was there. He was bringing players along with him, telling them, hey, come over here, come to my house, come work out with us. Let's go over to film. Let's watch this. Let's go on a park. Let's go on a park. Let's go do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, these yep. are things that your captains are supposed to implement when the coaches aren't even you know when the coaches yeah. aren't there and uh, clearly the coach isn't there but one thing for sure is that <laughs> and i tweeted this out as the game was going on i don't understand it for the life of me is why is ezekiel elliott running the ball with sleeves on and you live in dallas texas <laughs> no rain no snow you're inside of a dome, essentially. You know, it's only only when they open up open up the top part. You know, saying it's heated in there. I don't understand for the life of me why the rest of your offense walks around with no sleeves on, but you have sleeves on and you continue to fumble the ball. It's for the swag, and, I, and that's why. But I think for now. He used to trade those sleeves out for some rubber pads like the Kevin Falk days used to, to run with. Yeah. Some, some so more stability and some more grit for his elbows there. But I'm glad you brought up Zeke because you've been defending him constantly over this season. He, he, ha he has been, by his standards, I want you to say it with me, by his standards, he has been very, very below average. Is that correct? Yeah. Can finally get yeah. on that level? Okay, I, great. I, I, we're I, on the same level. Okay, great. I'm and, and I will start to say here, while it started as somewhat of a joke, it's kind of coming true. Miles Sanders is playing better football than Zeke Elliott is right now. Like, say what you want, he is. Right not now, just, yes, he is. Not just him before, before, before he was, before this guy was injured. Chubb's playing better than him. 
Well, 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 not even that. I just been in the division because I brought up Sanders a couple episodes ago oh, and you yeah, gave me shit yeah, for it. Absolutely, like, that's why. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But um, definitely, Zeke Elliott fumbling back-to-back possessions away was embarrassing to watch as a, uh, as a presumably top three running back in the NFL. That's That should not be happening. I don't care who you are. That That is an embarrassment to your team, especially when you have a guy like the Red Rifle who's supposed to throw the ball downfield for you. you I mean, you really can't trust them. We also can't put the team when you're back to the point where you're you're losing the football game for your team. There's, there's, there's a thing called putting too much pressure on yourself, and that's what happened with Ezekiel Elliott on Sunday night, on Monday Night Football. That's that's what I have to say about it. Um, but that that's really the only way I look at it here. On the other side of the football here for for the Cardinals here, Kyler Murray had a mushing it bounce back game here. Although passing was really not there, nine of twenty four, a very very poor uh, completion percentage. You know the stats were there: one hundred eighty eight yards passing, two touchdowns, as well as seventy four yards in the score on the ground, ten carries here. Kyler Murray has the unique ability when the passing game is not working to affect the game in different ways, whether or not as, as a threat in the run game or whether or not it's as a decoy. He does the same thing as well, especially when you have guys like Kenyon Drake in the backfield and Chase Edmonds on these read options, these fake options, these RPOs. He poses a threat no matter when he touches the football or whether or not he even touches the football in general. That's what he brings to the table for that. That's why I like Kyler Murray. But as far as MVP candidacy, not even close anymore. Right now, yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a runaway right now between three guys. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's Russell Wilson, it's Aaron Rodgers, and it's Patrick Mahomes. So those are the only three guys that are actually in it right now. Kyler yeah. Murray is dark horse, if that, and Josh Allen's still dark horse. That, that's my hierarchy for MVPs right now. But that, that's week six in the NFL season through Stafford and Matthews' eyes here. A lot of interesting storylines as we approach the trade deadline. Obviously, Mike McCarthy's uh, loss of the locker room starting to come up uh, in talks here with, with some captains coming to ownership. We have the trade deadline approaching with guys like John Ross requested a trade. David Njoku, who actually requested a trade for the second time this season. And even guys like Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, who might be on the block as well. Let's go down the list for some of these guys. We'll do, we'll do four guys. We'll go with those four guys we just said. John Ross. I think it probably takes a fifth rounder or less to move him. What are some potential destinations for John Ross in a trade? Hmm, John Ross? Uh, I already, I'll go first if you want to go first. I'm going to go with the Patriots here. I can see him here. going to the Jets. I can see him going to the Eagles. I can see him going to – who else? Oh, dang. I like the Eagles. Pick, actually, 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 the Steelers could use them as well, even though they're playing well, they're playing good. But I just, I, hey, Juju, I love you, bro. But right now, it's not working. It's not working over there. And I can see him definitely going over there and adding more speed to that to that uh, already dynamic team over there. Yeah, he's more focused on TikTok than the actual football game. You see him after the game yeah. with Chase Claypool doing that it's a stupid shit. Stop dancing, yeah. dude. Get, get in the weight room. Do something though, to help your team out a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, no, we can't, we can't say that about Juju. We can't anyway, say that. Anyway. He's, he's a juice. He's a juice. That, that, no, that, I know he is. I know he is. I'm, I'm team, just giving but, him shit. I'm just giving him shit. Yeah. Anyway, here, John Ross here. For me, I love the Eagles comparison you made. The Eagles need downfield threats desperately. They need guys, first of all, to hold on to the football. He'd be a great injection of speed in that offense, especially with Deshaun Jackson struggling with injuries so far this season. But also, like I said earlier, the New England Patriots are a potential destination, especially considering the price tag it would take for John Ross to become a Patriot here. Fifth rounder or less, I'm setting the bar right there. It will not cost you second rounder like it did for, for Muhammad Sanu. It will cost you very, very cheap. And Bill Belichick is all about saving money and saving draft picks and saving capital. And this is the, the exact type of trade Bill Belichick loves to make. So keep your eye out for John Ross. When it comes to Julio Jones, 
It is far from a certainty he's a, he's a trade candidate. That we'll say that right off the bat. It's far from a certain he'll be traded. But this is a podcast. You might as well just go for it. Julio Jones becomes on, available on the block here. What are some teams that could use Julio Jones' services? I'm thinking at least in terms of you know teams that can actually compete for a title right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you, well, you go ahead. I I I, I want to hear this one. I mean, because I, me personally, me personally. I just, I, I'm biased. I'm biased about Julio Jones. It's a guy that I really am strongly high on. I can't see him going anywhere else. Uh, honestly, even even if it bites him in the ass, I still think that it will be it will turn out. I mean, it uh, it would just be more ideal for him to stay in uh, the, uh, Atlanta. I would so agree I would, with. You. I, would I would actually. Agree. I would, agree with you on that I would agree with you, but again, not be, I might not be up to Julio Jones when it comes to this type of move. But we'll see. Number one team. It better not be the Patriots. Joe. It's not the. It's not the Patriots. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna hit okay. you with a bomb here, Chris. How about the Green Bay Packers? Julio Jones matched with Aaron freaking Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. That is a super offense waiting to happen. Think about the possibilities down the field, underneath, intermediate. The run game opens up immediately because you can't stack anyone in the box with both of those guys outside. You bring Alan Lazard back from injury. Now you have three, if not four, legitimate weapons on the receiving line. You now have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams holding it back with even A.J. Dillon at the goal line, and you have the baddest man on the planet to quote Stephen A. Smith at the helm with Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers are my team to trade for Julio Jones. What do you think about that? Who are they going to trade? They don't have anybody to trade to get Draft picks, my friend. Hell no. Hell yeah. (laughs) Why would Atlanta take anything besides draft picks? They stink. They're one in five. They want to invest in the future. They need they need offensive linemen. You you can't you can't just give that up. You, you give that up, then you sit you're sitting up there. You're gonna be seeing Aaron Rodgers run running for his life again, sitting on his ass on the field because he's getting sacked every two minutes. And depending on the defense, which is very yeah you know, but they're gonna be subpar team again. Okay, well think about it this that, way. It will, it, in, in, a, in a grand scheme of things, it would look amazing. Yes, it would look amazing. Would I think it would actually work? No, I don't because Julio Jones, you're coming from uh, the dome and then you're going to be coming out to play in severe, severely cold weather on top of, like I said, you're giving up offers of, you know, now you're, now you're giving up draft picks who could be potential, you know, potential be- uh, uh, hits for you on the offensive line. And Rice not going to be able to get you the ball. And then on top of that, you're not going to have as much chemistry with him because Devontae Adams is still out there and he's going to demand the ball. Okay, but all right, hear me out on this one, right? What did the Bucks do on Sunday? Essentially, I'll tell you what they did. They played man blitz and dared Aaron Rodgers to not get sacked. That's what happened. And he kept getting sacked over and over again because the offensive line couldn't handle the influx of rushes, right? But if you add a guy like Julio Jones, and this is also assuming Alan Lazard comes back from the injured reserve here. You have three legitimate weapons on the outside. What defense is going to stack the box against that trio? Nobody. They can't do it. So either you're going to die by the pass of the run. Aaron Jones will carve you up if you're playing a regular Tampa 2 defense, right? But if you stack the box in like a 46, and Aaron Rodgers has one-on-one options down the field with Julio Jones and Devontae Adams, one of which will have a set number two corner on them. They can't yeah. stop it. And that, we can disagree about that if you want to. But from my point of view, Julio Jones would be a slam dunk acquisition for the Green Bay Packers. 
so you know what's funny you know what's funny because i was sitting up here thinking of like teams uh that i could i could see julio jones go to and you took it right out of my mouth by saying their name which is the tampa bay buccaneers they have enough people out there that they can give up they can give up to get Julio Jones and not be hindered by it. They already have a good, they have a, they have a good offensive lineman. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You got, you, you're talking about, you're talking about Chris Godwin, who's hurt every now and then. He's not, you know, he could be the number three guy that's coming in and uh, help you out in a slot. But then you got Mike Evans, Mike Evans and Julio Jones out there, which Julio Jones doesn't need to be, doesn't need to have the ball thrown, the, thrown down the field. For him to be effective he can literally catch the ball on the line of scrimmage and get you 20 30 yards right. just off of just off of gt so that, i can uh... definitely see tampa bay uh doing that and especially they got leonard fournette they got ronald jones they got shady mccourt you don't need all of those <laughs> you don't need all three of those dudes keep ronald jones get rid of the other two uh probably throw in uh uh what's what's the uh He's hurt right now, so I, I guess you can't really you can't really throw in Whit uh Whitfield, I mean Whitfield uh in that trade for a defense. I mean like a defensive player like him because he's actually a really good player. But um, I could see him going there if they was just that, to figure it out. That answer really shocked me because I don't think the Buccaneers would even have the inkling of doing that because they already have so many offensive weapons downfield, especially underneath with Chris Godwin. Especially you just got healthy, so. I don't really buy into that, but we can disagree about that. I don't really buy into that, but we can disagree. But about he's that. he's he's coming off an injury. Let, let's he say, is let's, he let's, is, let's, but let's, I don't. I just don't think Bruce Arians pulls the trigger on Julio Jones, though. That's a big move for someone who already is so offensively rich. Offensively rich. We yeah. just went over this guy's. We just went over Tom Brady's stats. He's not. It's not like he's blowing teams out the water with with uh, with his offense right now. I agree. So what? So you put Julio his, Jones predominantly in the, his running backs. Predominantly, his running backs and his defense is carrying him. Well, like you just it's said, always well, been his pretty much his whole career. You just said you want to trade the running backs to get Julio Jones. So whether you're taking the running game away from Brady, what's going to happen? Just two of them. Just two of them. Uh, Fournette, we'll disagree Fournette on that. And McCoy. Uh, I, I, I can't get on that. Because Ronald Jones is a proven player now. I, I can't can get on that train. Staying there for sure. I can't get on the train there, but we'll go to the next guy here. David Njoku, the tight end from the Cleveland Browns, has requested yet another trade, second of the year now. And I'll go first on this one. Where I could see him fitting in really, really well might be a team that kind of shocks a lot of people because it's kind of a lateral move, not really. It really depends on how you look at it. But I think a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's in-division trade, which will never happen. But I'm talking about for dream trade scenarios. You add a guy already behind Eric Ebron. You now have four legitimate starting receivers. You have Eric Ebron, who had, what, 17 touchdown catches a couple years ago, 14, whatever the hell it was. And you bring in a guy like Njoku, who's probably the most athletic tight end in the NFL. That spells nightmare for any defensive coordinator, especially towards the red zone when you're covering these guys more closely at the line of scrimmage here. And Joker can beat a press coverage. That's not that's never been an early issue for him. So we're talking about dream scenarios. I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but a team that can actually use his services right now. How about the Tennessee Titans? You now combine Jonu Smith, who's a similar type player, with David and Joku. You now have two legitimate starting tight ends who can do enough blocking. So you can still run Derrick Henry in those sets. But now you can run sets with Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, 
uh, David Njoku and Johnny Smith and Derrick Henry in the backfield? Who's going to stop that? Nobody. That's too big, too fast, too strong. That's, that's how I look at it. But I think Njoku would be a great fit for the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go with that because uh, he doesn't really block. <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah, but he has the ability to chip and run. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. Uh, somebody who I would, oh, I would think he would work well with, honestly, and if he was to get underneath this guy's wing, we could potentially see uh, the same type of offense that the Patriots had back in the day with two amazing tight ends is my team, the 49ers. Ooh. Talking about two tight end set, two wide receivers, one running back, that's a scary sight right there. How is uh, Jordan Reed doing, by the way? I haven't checked in on him in a while. He's still, he's still, he's still hurt. He's still hurt. Okay. Okay. Maybe I, I guess I could make sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely an interesting situation there, but trade deadline targets are coming up more and more. We'll do a lot more in-depth analysis towards the trade deadline during week eight here, but some names to float out there. We talked about here, John Ross, Julio Jones, and David Njoku. Week seven picks coming out on the docket here for Stafford and Matthews here. First game Let's on do docket. It. Thursday night football. Kind of a shitty game. The Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, one and five and one four and one respectively. I'm going with the Eagles here. Carson Wentz is actually playing very, very well the past couple weeks here, and I don't trust the Giants to actually make a winning effort in this football game. If they're ahead, they'll somehow fuck it up. I'm not really concerned about it. The Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles win the game. Yeah, I'm definitely going with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be another one of those dog fights out there for them. Um, but Philly's gonna pull it out. The Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. I think Buffalo bounces back in tremendous fashion considering their opponent, specifically Josh Allen throws for at least four touchdown passes and makes the Jets look silly. Yeah, absolutely. This won't even be a game. Let's, let's, let's just move let's on. Let's go to the next Buffalo. one. Yeah. The best football game, in my opinion, on the schedule so far, period. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans both hmm. come in undefeated at 5-0. and and both are showing you that they can win a football game running, passing, and playing great defense. It's tough for me to say this right now because on one hand, you have Ryan Tannehill, who I still don't trust completely. He's been proved me wrong very, very lately. He's been replaying very, very well. I will give him that. But this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is no joke. They're a ball-hawking defense that can sack you and pick you off. That's where my concern lies. But the number one thing why I won't hit the pick why I pick is because the Titans, and yes, I'm picking the Titans. I'll say it right now. I spoiled it too much. I tried to put some more drama behind it, but I can't do it. I'm going with the Titans here because Derrick Henry will allow the, the Titans to control the clock better than the Steelers will. And they will be able to control the time possession so much so that even if it's a high-scoring possession game, they'll still be able to edge it out towards the end of the football game. Um, I'm, I'm going with Pittsburgh Steelers. I just feel like they have that not as, not as close – but uh, close enough to where you can say, ah, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but that steel curtain type of a defense that they have. Yep. Um, it's crazy. They're, these guys are out here doing it. It's just playing at will. You know, they're picking people off, you know, even though it's against the Browns, mm -hmm. which is nothing to, nothing to surprise about that. But still, Bud Dupree's leading the way with, uh, you know, with, you know, with, with TJ Watt out there and on, on the other side and they're running after the quarterback and, Holding them up, and then they got the they got the linebackers that's out there that's going up against. They can go up against anybody. They're they're about as big as Derrick Henry, honestly. Uh, so 
you know, that's going to be that's going to be a challenging game, you know. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will come out with it because nobody's going to be able to stop these 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 guys out here. I'm talking about Claypool and, and Washington and Juju as well. So I semi-agree with you on that front, but the main thing I want to emphasize is I don't think the Steelers defense will have a problem containing Ryan Tannehill. It's going to be about stopping the run. And it's, yeah, going, to great, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be a great battle at the line of scrimmage to see if Derrick Henry can really solidify his, his presence as one of the top backs in the league by playing this elite defense. So keep that in mind as you watch the football game on yeah, Sunday here. Absolutely. The Cowboys and the Washington football team. Now, yeah. with Dak Prescott, this, this wouldn't be a, a question. But with Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback and with Zeke playing below average football, it's a question for me. I'm still going with the Cowboys here, but you know, don't, don't be surprised here if Kyle Allen and company make it a game against, quote-unquote, America's team. Yeah, this is, this is a hard game to pick. Um, I was thinking about this all day today, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm going to go with Dallas. Uh, they just have a lot of firepower, even though that, you know, they, they, you know McCarthy has lost the team. It's still, it's still something that, you know, that you call heart that they're going to have out there, and there's just not going to be one to get beat like that. Um, I'm pretty sure another week of practice for, for, uh, for, uh, for Andy Dalton going out there because he was missing a lot of throws last week. But yep. I think this week they'll, they'll, they'll pick it up. You know, they started picking up towards the end of the game, especially with getting the ball, uh, getting the ball down the field. So I'm going with Dallas. I don't want to harp on this too much. I already brought it up beforehand. But if Andy Dalton continues to struggle here, and they're really in a rut but still in a position to win the division, imagine if Colin Kaepernick goes to America's team and leads them to a division title. What a wild storyline it would be for the NFL in general. That would be that would unbelievable must-watch TV. That would be an amazing, amazing thing to see. Honestly, I could, I, it, it would, it would, it would, it would, I would laugh the whole time. Even <laughs> though I know he's going to do good, I would just laugh just because I know that there's going to be people in the background that's going to be like, why did we pick this guy? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And he's going to turn around and win a couple games with you. But, you know, that's, 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 that's just the be best crazy. picture. We're not, we already know that's not going to happen. Yeah, I know, but it would just be a wild <laughs> set of events here. Uh, Panthers Saints, I'm going with the Saints here. I think Teddy Absolutely. Bridgewater has reached his limit in terms of being able to affect the game without McCaffrey. McCaffrey's up for at least one more week missing the Saints game. I'm going with Drew Brees and company. Absolutely. I'm going with Drew Brees as well. Coming off of their bye week, uh, they're going to be well prepared and ready to go. So I can see it happening. Packers-Texans, it would be a really good football game if Aaron Rodgers hadn't just been embarrassed on national television. But this is a vengeance comeback game from Aaron Rodgers. He's going to dismantle this broken-down Houston Texans defense. It's going to be ugly, too. Yeah. Uh, where, where, where are they playing at, though? They are playing, I believe, in Houston. In Houston. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston. Hmm. You're thinking about this? Hey. Hey, I want to say I want to say Green Bay, but say so Houston. Houston is Houston is hitting on all points right now. I can see them. Give me a w, with the Chris. fire they're being lit, the, the, the fire that's been lit under them. Um, I can see you. I'm going with Houston. That's exactly what I'm going with. I'm going all with right. Houston. I like that. I like that. Here we go. Um, Browns and Bengals, a better game than people realize. And again, the running back stable in the Cleveland is is far from set here. But what we've seen in the past from Baker Mayfield against bad defenses, he manages enough to get the job done. Mm. I'm going to want Cleveland and company. I'm going with, 
with Joe Cool, your guy. Oh. I'm going with Joe Cool on this one. I think that Cincinnati is gonna is is wow. is starting to come together right now. Uh, the Browns is starting to fall apart even more now. Um, you know, there's there's not enough speeches that you can give out there uh, that's gonna get this guy Baker Mayfield to do something. Uh, I mean, for him for him to for him to play well. So I'm I'm definitely going with I'm going I'm definitely going with the Bengals in this one. Wow, that, that shocked me. And, and honestly, if I, that, if I actually picked wrong there and Joe Burrow wins, I'm going to feel like such a piece of shit. Like, I've, I've backed <laughs> this guy for so much. Like, I'm going to feel so bad about myself. Uh, anyway, here, the Lions and the Falcons here. I'm going with Uncle Matt. Yeah. The Lions will take this victory over the Falcons, even though they just dropped 40 on a, a relatively good defense. I'm still going with the Lions here. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with the Lions as well. They're, 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 uh, they're a bit more polished. They still have their coach. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not, they're not worried on that de- in that department. So yeah, I'm going with Detroit. They're, they'll, they'll bring it out. And that defensive line, I told you about this in the beginning of the year. Defensive line is nasty, and they're proving mm-hmm. it year. I mean, day in and day out. So led by I'm Trey Flowers, former Patriot. Um, Seahawks and Cardinals here at 405 to start the, the, the afternoon games here. And this is a very important game for your division here. But I'm going to go with Seattle just because I think Russell Wilson elevates them to a different level that Kyler Murray can't compete with yet. I'm going with Russell Wilson and company. Uh, why, yeah, do I keep, why do I keep saying in company? Like, why do I keep saying that? <laughs> I have like a tick. Jeez. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Seattle as well. Um, I just think that uh, this week off uh, did them well. Uh, you know, and of course, I'm, if I know Russell Wilson, I know that he didn't just allow them just to sit around and do nothing for the whole week. So I'm definitely going with them. And – and this is a turnaround game for the Cardinals after they just had to go and then they just played they played the game that they just played, which was a phenomenal game. But I'm pretty sure they're going to be tired going into uh, Seattle. I agree with you there. Oh, and I really wish we were on the same page here. But this is like a rivalry game for us. We need to make a bet about this or something. The 49ers and the Patriots at 425. Oh, oh. and like I don't I don't really want to make a bet because I don't think we'll win. But like I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like I'm on. I have to do something about this, right? Like I can't just like sit here and like I'll pick the Patriots just just for shits and giggles. But like, what am I? What are we supposed to do? Like I can't make a. This. Yeah, man. You know, I'll go with whatever you want, but you know, you know, you want to go off the spread. You want to go off the spread. We can just make it a little bit uh, play to, on a more even field. You want to do it that way instead of just going outright. How about this? How about this? I'll wear a 49ers jersey next Sunday uh, on like on Patriots game day. And you have to wear a Patriots jersey. How about that? Okay. okay. That work? That's a little bit but easier. Do you want to go off the spread or you just want to go off the straight win? Straight, straight win. Straight, we, we're straight here. Stop sure? Matthews. We're going straight win. That's fine. That's fine. All right. I got an original Terrell Owens <laughs> Niners jersey in the back. Don't worry about that. I got the swag with that shit. Yes. Where did you get that? Bro, I got like – I actually know. So, fun fact, you guys don't know this. I collect jerseys. I have 50-something in my closet. Um, and I have, I have some – I got Chris Carter authentic 1998 jersey right from 98. I oh, got – I got Chad Johnson signed from 2006. I got some – Fire jerseys. I'll, I'll show you. Get to Boston. Yeah, you gotta show me that. Fire, unbelievable here. All Joe right. is wearing a Niners <laughs> jersey. All right, all right. Jaguars <laughs> Chargers here. I'm going with Justin Herbert. He gets his first win as a starter. Uh, uh, that's that's all I gotta say about it. Justin Herbert wins. Absolutely, Justin Herbert all the way. I'm going with I'm going with the Chargers on this for sure. 
Chiefs and Broncos. Broncos are riding high after defeating the best coach of all time. I'm still going with the Chiefs here. It shouldn't be a football game. Yeah, we're not worried about we're not worried about the Broncos. They're 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 just skating by, just trying to help teams uh, uh, help teams in their win column. So I'm going with uh, KC. Definitely, the Buccaneers and the Raiders. It actually a pretty good football game. And not not gonna lie to you, John Gruden knows Tom Brady very very well, and I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes back and forth here. I'm gonna go with the Bucs. I just don't think the defense of the Raiders will be able to stop all the weapons that that Tom Brady has around him. Yeah, I'm actually gonna go with the. I'm actually going with Vegas on this one. I okay. think Vegas is gonna have. Um, they're gonna have a little bit of insight on 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 Tom Brady just because of you know their their chemistry with uh, with John Gruden and stuff. But um, not only that, but you got you got you got Waller out there. And he's, who's gonna be out there? Who's gonna be ripping them up? To be honest with you, and Rugs with a speed demon, which I don't think nobody on the Tampa Bay side is gonna be able to handle. Um, with that going down the field. So I'm definitely going with uh, the Vegas Raiders. And it's really not a bad pick. It's just such a back-and-forth game for me. I really don't know who yeah. to pick next. It was a toss-up. I went with the Bucks there. I just um, had, I had to go bold. I had to go bold. Yeah, you stick had to. With, yeah, stick to. with my thoughts. There we go. Monday Night Football, 8-15, the Bears and the Rams. And I swear to God, Jared Goff, if you let me down on this, I will come to your house and light a fire. Like, I don't, I don't care anymore. FBI, you listening? Like, that's what I'm going to do. Because if Jared Goff lets me down on national television against the one team I've been calling frauds all year, I'm going to throw a fit. I, I'm going with Jared Goff and the Rams here. But so help me God, Jared Goff, do not mess with me right now. Do not do it. You got the whole, you got the whole little spooky thing going on. It's like, it's like, it's already Halloween time. Here's Johnny. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. No, I'm definitely going with the Rams as well. I think that um, it's also, it's, it's going to be a good matchup. The matchup that I really want to see is Allen Robinson and, um, and Jalen Ramsey. That's going to be two, 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 two talents that's going to go, that's going to class against each other and uh, make some hay because Allen Robinson is not no punk. You're not just going to be able to punk him around, and he's big, so he's not going to be – you're not going to just be able to put your hands on him, but he's just going to stay there. So that's going to be a game – that's going to be a, 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 a fight that I want to see for sure. Most definitely. And that's Stafford and Matthews. Week 7 picks are in the books. Uh, obviously, Chris, thanks for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure to work with Absolutely. you. Um, shout out to our sponsor, BossesBig3.com. Our shop is wide open with Chris Matthews' personal collection, as well as a ton of different stuff, unique stuff by our, our, our very talented producers and very talented um, designers there. Also, shout out if you're watching this on YouTube right now. Uh, shout out to our producer, Brandon Watabi, creating this unbelievable graphic uh, design stuff with me over the past couple of weeks now. We're trying to roll out a definitely updated version of the Stafford and Matthew show. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, it definitely looks something like The Herd or something like uh, First Take. If you want to go to YouTube right now and check it out, it's actually worth the watch. A lot of different stuff going on for that as well. So keep your eye on Stafford and Matthews, especially visually wise, as we're coming down the pike here. Chris, any final thoughts? Yeah. You know, I just want to say, man, you've been doing an amazing job, bro. Uh, off, the, you know, off camera, you know, we, we've been talking and, uh, you know, you've been showing me a lot of things and especially a lot of things to come um, that we haven't even divulged yet. But, you know, you're doing, you've been doing a great job, man. And um, I, I, I appreciate you and, and thank you for allowing me to come on to this show and, you know, work with you and do it up.
That's my guy right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's my guy, Chris Matthews, right there. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. All right. Stafford and Matthews, episode seven. Make sure to check out the interview with Lucky Whitehead, former Dallas Cowboys, well, for 6.5, episode 6.5. So if you missed it, check it out right before this one. Stafford and Matthews, episode seven in the books. We will catch you next time.